You are now listening to the Hot Take Hotbox. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hotbox. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hotbox. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Welcome back to the Hot Take Hotbox. My name is Matt McSweeney here joining you on this Monday, March 28th. We got some Sixers to discuss here. We got some Phillies. Phillies are cruising along here in spring training. We got Mickey Moniacs of the world. Bryson Stott absolutely hitting the cover off the ball here early on in spring training. We got a little bit more than a week, 11 days to be exact, until opening day where we open the season up against the Oakland Athletics. Got Eagles as well, obviously, we got, we'll got we get into a mock draft. We'll do a PFF simulator since it's been a rather slow week in the Philly sports world. We'll have some NCAA talk. I don't know if I mentioned that already. Uh, we will do a little bit of tiny, tiny sprinkling of flyers. And we'll get into the Sixers from this past weekend or this past week. Uh, big game last night against the Suns that they fell short on. Win against the Lakers without LeBron. Win against the not remembering now the Clippers, but you know they're in the middle of this West Coast trip. They're kind of we'll, we'll get into it. So it seems after Maxi took care of business on Monday night that the Heat the Heat ruined the Heat, blew the Heat up because then they proceeded to try and fight each other in the middle of a game against the Warriors. What a what a scene that was, Spolstra basically just getting in Jimmy Butler's face. Jimmy Butler said something crazy to Spolstra, basically trying to intimidate him or fight him because Spolstra took exception. Udonis Haslam took exception. There was whole whole ordeal down there. Heat culture is alive and well. It looks like they're, you know, lose four in a row. They just lost to the Brooklyn Nets on Saturday night. They will try and redeem themselves tonight against the Kings. But they're on a little bit of a tail you know, tailspin. Sixers were the number one seed for a second there, but now they are back down to four. Right now, half game out of first place, so it is going to be jockeying for position back and forth. They have a huge game tomorrow night against the Milwaukee Bucks. Quickly, I will go through these games. We will talk about what went down, any sort of pertinent information that needs to be discussed. Sixers took care of business against the Lakers. It wasn't much of a or conversation or much to talk about here other than the big four played well, everyone above 20. And that's the probably the only reason they won because they let the Lakers hang around for a while. It was more of a game towards the end than it really needed to be. Dwight Howard had 24. Uh, there was no LeBron, if I didn't mention that already. LeBron did not play. He was uh, out with, I believe, knee soreness, left knee soreness. Now he just rolled his ankle last night, sprained his ankle. So he is going to be out for a considerable amount of time. It, it did not look good. If you've seen the pictures or the still shots of it, it was a... Uh, rather gruesome uh, ankle sprain and he's lucky he didn't break it because it it just you know it just did not look good especially from the still shot but the Sixers take care of business in Los Angeles it wasn't uh, a game like I said it was just they played around with them a little too much towards the end big third quarter from the Lakers that kind of got them back into it and then the Sixers pulled away let them back in a little bit Harden with like a brutal turnover down on his own end trying to get a foul but they just took the ball right off of him but well, I'll have more on James Harden as we go through this week, but not really much help uh, from the bench or supporting uh, staff there, supporting cast, I should say. Sixers 
Absolutely. I did want to read uh, Embiid's numbers here because, you know, another 30 and 10 performance, 11 and 19. I like efficiency from Embiid, especially now that we have guys who can help him. I don't like seeing those five for 21, you know, just where he's shooting like under 30, under 35% from the field. But, you know, especially the big guy, he gets more easy shots than anyone else. And I just don't like seeing him, you know, his numbers ballooning like that because that just means uh, we're not playing as well as we should be and we're not helping him as much as we should be because he should be getting much easier looks and shots. Nine for 19 in this Clipper game. He, James Harden was on fire in the first half. I think he had 20 in the first half. It is a huge difference maker when James is able to take and make the three. Yeah, he doesn't. Some of these games, he's not even taking it, but when he takes it and he's just able to make it, it's huge. It really is huge. I know that sounds so rudiment, like you know, elementary and just basic, but it's the truth. And I think a big thing with him is his legs have just not been not been what they used to be in the past. He has not had that same lift or ju- like bounce or anything like that. Not only driving to the lane, but you look at old videos of his step backs and where he was able to shoot them from. It just doesn't seem like he has the legs underneath of him to make the shots he used to make on, on a consistent basis. And I hope that that's something that can change or that, that, that we can, uh, there, there's a solution to this problem, or maybe he's just, you know, the bad hand, maybe the, the injuries lingering, or he's just having trouble getting his footing underneath of him, or he's not confident yet with this team. Whatever the reason is, I hope that there's a solution that uh, we can, we can enjoy or it, that we can experience here in Philadelphia because to help this team win the championship, because they're not going to win without him playing at a high level. I'll, I'll say it on this, on this podcast every single week. We need James Harden to win the championship. That's why we made this trade. And recently, especially last night, you're just not getting the, the version that you paid for the version that you agreed to two for 11 last night. You know, it's made two threes, but he didn't, he didn't have one layup or any, you know, he's still seven, like nine assists. That's a Ben Simmons line without the, you know, just way less efficient. So Ben probably would have shot five times or they wouldn't have shot that many free throws, obviously. But he probably would have went five of nine from the field or something like that. A couple free throws here and there. They, they, you know, shoots four of six. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to go through the numbers like that. But Tobias Harris looked good in stretches last night. Not a good game from Maxi. Uh, Embiid, obviously, was the guy who was trying to carry them in, in through this victory. He was uh, dominant. Through, through portions of this game, but they, you know, you get 35 from Devin Booker. There's not much you're going to be able to do when you don't score for like large stretches or runs in this game, and and you let teams come back in. There's another game where they had like a a lead. They they were up in the first quarter, you know, up up in the, going into halftime, and it just lets them slip away in the second half. It's a case of whether they they either start quick and don't finish, or they don't start quick and they finish well, but sometimes it's too late, you know? So it's, they're going to have to put, the, 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 well, there's still more time. We still have a, a, a stretch of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games left, but it's not good. It's not good. I, I just don't like what I'm seeing championship wise. They'll be able to maybe win a couple games in the playoffs, maybe win a round, but I'm still worried to about that second round, depending on matchups and who they will have to line up against it, it, you know how far this team can actually go. What what we what we can expect from this team come April, it's all going to be on the shoulders of James Harden, and you're going to have to count on maybe. Uh, so on a broader point, broader note about where this offense is, and just the the lack of flow or continuity that the offense has now with Harden 
playing the point guard. He's still able to find guys. He's a great passer. He has great vision. But it seems some of these possessions, especially towards the end of these games and these close games, where he's pounding the ball off the floor, dribbling the air out of the ball, and we have to sit there and have these awful offensive possessions at the end of the game when there should there's no reason why it should be like that. And I don't like sometimes he ha- he has a little bit of hot potato syndrome where he will dribble the ball out for 18 seconds and then throw it to someone, mainly Tobias or Tyrese Maxey, where they have to go and make a quick you know decision. They either get a bucket real quick or take a pretty awful shot where they're kind of for their hand is forced into it and it's just like that's that's the possession there was no passing no cutting no no pit no basketball it was just a dribbling and throw it out to the corner which that's just not that, that ain't it that ain't it and hard the the it just seems you watch the maxi game where they play with the heat they played against the heat and obviously not everything's the same you don't have two all-world players out there and yada 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 but the offense moved way, way more smoothly when Tyrese Tyrese Maxey was playing uh, point guard. the The ball wasn't sticking. The offense was free moving, free flowing. I just I know Harden's capable of that, and I know he's trying to find his rhythm and all that. But it just I saw him say he needs to be more aggressive, more shots. But those shots won't matter if the 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 quality isn't there. You know, I I just think our offense, our quality of offense, the quality of shots we get the quality of looks we're just able to generate is it's not there it's not at the level of some of these teams we play and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we don't really play great defense we allow these teams to get these wide open looks and we're counting on them to miss them it's not this is the NBA you know so I just have some real things that concern me watching the Sixers on a, on a night in and night out basis I'm not saying they're not capable of doing these great things that we want them to do but right now I don't say it you know I, I just don't don't have confidence in it when I when I watch it when I use my eyes when I try to be unbiased it, it's not it's not good it's not good it's good in stretches it's good in spurts but the consistency that you're going to need to produce to win a championship or play for a championship is it's just not there so hopefully that changes in the next few weeks but right now I'm not I don't feel I don't feel that uh, confidence and to reiterate, I'd like to say I just I mainly put that on the shoulders of James Harden. We're going to need James Harden to produce at a more efficient, higher level, even more volume, everything. I, we just need more. We need more. We need more. There are some scary teams, some scary, scary, scary teams in this NBA. Okay, it is going to be no joke when you come to the playoffs. Even if we look at our own Eastern Conference, the Nets right now are the nine seed, battling with the Hornets for the eight seed. They just lost two last night. I'm teams like Miami. I'm not exactly shuddering in my boots about, but you look at the Celtics, who are the hottest team in the league. Nine, you know, nine of their last ten won six in a row. The Bucks, who are the reigning defending champions, uh, we're, it's not going to be easy just getting through the Eastern Conference. And then when you play the Suns and teams like that, it's yeah, you know, it ain't going to be easy. You know, this is not going to be an easy night out anytime, especially after the first round. Whatever you get past the first round, if we can maybe get the Cavs or the Bulls in the second round, then God bless. But whoever, even the Raptors are not an easy night out. We, we've seen what the what the Nets can do to us specifically. So that's just a lot. It's a lot on the plate. A lot, a lot is concerning right now. The bench, the way our start, you know, it's just a lot of it. When you add it all up, I just can't look past it right now and, and feel that, that jubilation that I felt maybe when the trade went down or 
the the bliss it's kind of uh, started to wash away a little bit the more games that I watch so I don't want to get too ne- negative Nancy here but that that's just where I'm at on that Phil's how about them Phil's man spring training ripping the ripping the cover off the baseball Odubel Herrera is going to be out for spring training or not all the rest of spring training and early into the season he had a four to six week oblique injury so you lost your left-handed center fielder Matt Vierling is still there. He's still producing uh, relatively well here in this spring. Mickey Moniak is absolutely ripping the baseball all over the yard. Home runs, doubles, whatever you need. It looks like he's going to get a – I mean, to me right now, sitting here on March 28th, 11 days away from the opening day, Mickey Moniak has got to be the guy who they – he's got to make the roster, correct? That's just just the other guy you have to go with right now. I don't think there's another better option – Adam Hazley is of the world. I don't. I just don't. I think you have to give the Mick another opportunity. I know it hasn't worked out in the major so far, but you. you know, he was a former number one overall pick. There had to be something there at some point, and it looks like he's clicking so far. So why not ride the hot hand at, at this point? Another pleasant surprise has been Bryson Stott, who has absolutely ripped the cover off the baseball. He's three for three today, and. Hitting 533, if I'm not mistaken, through spring training so far, which is a ridiculous batting average, and he's putting in good plate appearances, taking pitches. You know, he's not just up there hacking wildly, and he looks like a veteran, confident hitter up there. When you when you watch these uh, spring training games, and, and they've been very entertaining because I'm all fillied up just based off the guys they've gotten. Nick Castellanos hit one into orbit today. Schwarber hit one yesterday. I mean, and Castellanos, I believe, hit hit a double. Or you know, he's he's been doing his thing. Harper hitting bombs on a religious basis now. So, the you have every reason to be excited about this Philly squad. It's a good time to be here. It looks like, like as I mentioned, Stott he, he's tearing the cover off the baseball. He might have to be here opening day. That he might force the Phillies' hand because he's playing so well right now. Shortstop right now has kind of got a uh, roadblock there with Didi and the contract, and Didi's been playing pretty well here in the spring, so doesn't look like they're ready to throw him to the side or, or just discard him. But third base is open, and it looks like they've been giving Bryson some looks there, and he could you know beat out Alec Bohm for the uh, third base slot, who is not exactly uh, doing well, you could say. So it, he's left himself open for the possibility of getting his job taken. I mentioned it on Twitter, which I don't know if any of you follow me. Give me the follow. I'll be doing a giveaway once I get to 500 followers. I I haven't decided what I'm going to give away, but one of my followers will get something probably off the wall in my room because I have some sick memorabilia. Not sick. Sick is kind of a subjective word, but I got some cool stuff in my room that I would like to give away to somebody. You get a little token of the Hot Take Hotbox for thank you for my that's a token of my appreciation for all, everyone out there listening, and I I always appreciate it. So back to the Phil's Bohm's left himself open, uh, vulnerable, I should say, to getting his position taken and getting sent down to the minors to start the season because he's kind of a one-trick pony. He's basically just a bat. He, he's a minus on the field, in my opinion, and anyone's opinion who has eyes. You'd rather have a guy like Camargo on the roster, especially since... Now, before maybe last year, the DH, with the DH being open, you could have a guy like Bohm on your team. But now that we have Schwarber, Castellanos, you know, Hoskins, all these different options to maybe get a day off and have them DH, or it's just not as appealing 
as it may have been in the past or in past seasons. So it, Alec Bohm's up against it to not only make this roster, but to cons- to be a consistent part of this team for years to come. Seems like this has become a common theme or occurrence for these Phillies in general that they just don't aren't these these prospects these number one number three pick like Alec Bohm was who's just not able to consistently perform or put season after season together of uh, at least average baseball. It seems like these guys fall off the planet Earth and just forget. I mean, look at Scott Kingery who has already been sent down. We're not even. You know, we still have some time left here down down in Clearwater. It's it's you know he's already he's already in minor league camp, so not looking good for Bohm right now. The guy, it is looking good for uh, you can say is Sir Anthony Dominguez uh, coming off the elbow injury, injured in 2020, I believe, right? Underwent Tommy John in July of 2020, uh, February 17th. He was placed on the 60 day injured list. He did not play on September 1st. He was activated off the injured list, but he just was not the same. Has it been the same in quite some time since that 2018 season where he looked like he was absolutely electric? That fastball, that 98, 99, the slider. He just, you know, didn't play all of 20, pretty much all of 2020. Um, no, he didn't play all of 2020 because the season started later and he was already injured by the time it went down. He only threw one inning last year, so we haven't seen this guy essentially in two years since 2019. Where he didn't look that good, and be, you know he was battling injuries it seeming seemingly all season long, or only threw twenty four innings in twenty nineteen. So uh, that's just another guy. When I when I went through the whole bullpen, the Brad Hands, the Knables, the Jesus Familia, the Jose Alvarados, these are all guys that are going to have to come up huge for this Phillies bullpen. And now that the bullpen has a little more depth than it has in the past, you're not going to have to count on. Bailey Falter and Hector Naris, you may have some more competent arms in there. We we shall see because we've had this idea, oh, while well, we have this guy or that guy, when we get Ian Kennedy and he's not the guy, we, you know, like that's just not, it's kind of a uh, band-aid over a, 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 a dam leak or, or I'm trying to think of a, gr- a great analogy there, but it's just that ain't going to do it, okay? When you get sh- gunshot and people are like, here, like put a little, you know, rainbow band-aid on there that ain't gonna do it dude i'm fucking leaking right now all right so that that's what it seems like it has been in the past i i just hope that a couple of these guys can perform and do their thing like you know we had ranger suarez in there and then he was so good you had to move him into the starting starting rotation it looks like you know like i like i named a couple that rotation's gonna look good the rotation might be able to stay out there a little longer with these run like the runs that we are supposedly going to be able to produce I could go I could go on and on all day long about uh, what I think about the fills and the the projections and all that. I I'm feeling good right now, so we'll leave it at that. We'll get back to them next week or, or when I have a guest on, we'll talk more uh hardcore inside baseball here, but the the, the fills are looking good. The fills I'm feeling good about the fills. They just traded Adam Hazley today for a pitcher. It's just, you know, kind of opening it up that it's going to be Matt Veerling and it's going to be Mickey Moniak. You're not going to see Hazley, obviously, so it's there's not going to be much competition uh, for that center field position now, and it just it just looks like it's going to be Mickey Moniak playing whenever there's a right-handed pitcher. It kind of like we you know we've been saying, but there's going to be no excuses, no restrictions for the 23 year old. He's got to go and get it done. At a certain point, you're going to have to live up to that number one pick billing. That it's you know it's not your fault, but. The the heavy is the head that wears the crown. You you've been bestowed this honor. You gotta you know you obviously were a good player, 
believed to be a good player, had great potential. So now it's time to live up to that potential. And hopefully, now that he's got the opportunity, we can put Kiss O'Double goodbye. Because Smokey Moniac's playing so well. He can move well. He can kind of, you know, he's a pretty good fielder. He should be, at least, on paper. So I'd like to see him get an opportunity. It's going to be nice to see Matt Veerling out there. Maybe one of those two can wrestle the job away from the other. But it'll be nice that, you know, if a lefty's in there, because I don't know if the, I don't think the Mick can really hit lefties. You can throw Matt Veerling out there and, and vice versa. So it, it, I think the Phils are set up pretty well to not only make the playoffs or compete for a playoff spot, but compete for the AL, or the AL East, the NL East this season. I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I don't want to beat a dead horse. Uh, I, you know, that's my favorite line on this podcast, but I do not want to go circles around and around and around and around talking about the Phils. I love the Phils. And today I'm feeling good about them. So let's keep it moving. Let's move on to our Philadelphia Eagles who have not done much in free agency. It doesn't look like they're going to do much in free agency. It seems like the Eagles obviously don't have much money and they can't really make many maneuvers or or, or there's not going to be a big signing that comes down the pike, it, it, it appears. So Kaiser White, linebacker from the Chargers, went to the University of West Virginia he is now an Eagle on a one-year deal. For you know, former Eagles fan or, or you know, Eagles fan, childhood Eagles fan. So it seems like that's the only way you can get a contract now. It's just you have to have been an Eagles fan, and you have to have no other options at all. So there's that. Um, we will continue to move it on. I do want to do a mock draft, and then we will do our PFF simulator. This is a PFF mock draft from a gentleman that calls himself Austin Gale, but I like PFF. I I've just don't know if I necessarily agree with everything they say, but they're a trustworthy source in my opinion. We got Kayvon Thibodeau going too. We got Austin or Aiden Hutchinson. Jeez, I'm really I'm really off the rails today. Aiden Hutchinson going one. His fellow Michiganite, David Ajabo tore his Achilles or ruptured his Achilles. One one of the two, and neither one is good. In his pro day, which was awful to see, it's just you hate to see that right as you're getting ready for the draft. It's just going to drop his value. It's going to hurt his bank account, and it's not the end of the world, but it is an awful way to start your career here in the NFL. I, I hate to see that, but that was a guy that the Eagles were thinking about signing. Just hate to see it. Kyle Hamilton going three. Um, this offensive tackle from NC State that I refuse to say his name until someone tells me how to say it. Evan Neal. Going five to the Giants. Don't like that as a NL NL East. Look at me. NFC East, man. Come on. Malik Willis going six from Liberty to Carolina. That sucks because I obviously want a quarterback. I've made it very clear here on this podcast that that's what I want. Trayvon Walker going seven to the Giants. Atlanta, Atlanta Falcons taking Sauce Gardner at eight. We got Charles Cross from Mississippi State going to Seattle. Drake London. Going to the Jets, Dean will be happy about that, that he's nowhere in our vicinity. We got Garrett Wilson. This is not good, though, because I, I want one of these wide receivers from Ohio State going to the Commanders at 11. So our boy Carson Wentz will have someone to throw to. Derek Stingley Jr. going to Minnesota at number 12. We have the Houston, Texas here, Jordan Davis, which is another guy I would like to have and just who is a freak of nature, body size and physicality, athletics, uh, athleticism, just everything. George Carla Faltis from, from Purdue, Baltimore Ravens, number 14. And now we finally get to the Eagles pick here at 15. They have them picking Jermaine Johnson, the second from Florida State. 
seems like he it was a workout warrior. He obviously was a great player, but he had like a crazy. Uh, I believe it was either Senior Bowl or his pro day. He ran a four five eight. Uh, and the 10 yard splits and broad jumps, which all are just numbers, they don't really mean much to us. Even though Philadelphia will have Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, and Josh Sweat all returning in 2022, Johnson should be viewed as an upgrade over Barnett and Sweat, if not all three players. Graham turns 34 in April and is coming off a torn Achilles. So they're just, we, we all believe that. I mean, they got Hassan Reddick as well, which is not mentioned in this article, but they are trying to beef up the pass rush as much as possible. I don't blame them at all. Uh, the next pick they have here is another uh, beefing of the pass rush, uh, you know, and not to mention even Javon Hargrave. Like, the, if they do what the, this mock draft says, they're going to have a ridiculous defensive line. But is that going to be enough? Are we just going to assault all the quarterbacks in the NFL? I, I'm I'm okay with that. That's totally fine by me. But it just seems like a uh, we, we're going to be a one trick pony there. Where we if we don't get to the quarterback, we're going to be counting on Zach McPherson and Tay Gallon on the back end trying to guard people. Don't know if that's going to be the best option, you know? So moving on to 16, this is from the Indianapolis, the Indianapolis pick, Devontae Wyatt, Georgia. Um, so I, I, this is an, he's an interior D lineman here, but Wyatt cleared 80th percentile in the 10-yard split. All these numbers started coming out. Yeah, he ran a 477 at the 2022 NFL Scouting Combine. He also earned a career-high 89.8 PFF grade. I imagine that's good and ranked in the 95th percentile for PFF pass rush grade on true pass sets. So these guys love the numbers and analytics. I don't, I don't like to circulate in this area, but I count on people like this to tell me what's going on. So I don't have to look at these numbers and, and, and get my graph calculator out. But he and Johnson should dramatically improve the Eagles' ability to get after the passer and set them up for long-term success as Graham and Fletcher Cox get older. I understand that thinking and thought process. I'm totally cool with that. If we can get two high-quality players like that in this draft, then I don't think they can go wrong either way where they pick here uh, in these 15-16 pick. I think there's going to be high-quality players available. It just depends on if they try to overthink this or... It, it just it, there's just a, I I just don't trust. It still comes down to I don't trust Hallie Roseman in the draft, especially making three picks where he might like try to freelance or freestyle and go off the off the uh, the off the script and just go and pick somebody that he loved their workout or something like that. You know, like I'm just that's not something I love to hear or just like to think about. Jamison Williams here, he's got the torn ACL, obviously that he did in the national championship. He's going 17 to the Los Angeles Chargers here, so that would be a big pickup for them, big pickup for Justin Herbert. Desmond Ritter going 18 to the Saints, which is a little, you know, that's very interesting. I would read their thing, but he, he he's a guy who has all the tools in the world, but it just, not to me, not as impressive in his college career. We're just watching him play. I watched him play a couple of games, whole games, you know, obviously when they played Notre Dame in the playoff game and couple of these other games where I was rooting against him for Notre Dame to get into the playoffs. He's a, he's got, like I said, he's got all the tools, but, but I just didn't like accuracy problems. He, he would just kind of get lost in like, just, he would kind of has that Jalen Hurts uh, trait where he just runs as soon as things get rough in the pocket. But I digress. 19 is going to be Devin Lloyd from Utah. Now, this is what I'm talking about right here, ladies and gentlemen, let's get a linebacker in here. Lloyd, was a heat-seeking missile and an every-down impact player for the Utes. He earned a 91.1 PFF grade as a college football, as one of college football's top defenders in 2021. 
He steps in as an immediate difference maker for an Eagles defense without a high-end talent at off-ball linebacker. Or linebacker in general, if you're being honest. But love it. Love that pick. I absolutely love it. I, I, I couldn't be any happier. I couldn't. I just I love the idea of picking a linebacker here in in this early on. I don't see Nicobe Dean anywhere. Thirty two is where I'm seeing him getting picked uh, now, but on this mock draft, and I don't see Kenny Pickett going in the first round. I see Sam Howell going right after Chris Olav going twenty one. So the Eagles are still going to need a, a a wide receiver. I don't see Traylon Burks anywhere on here too. So it, maybe that that second round is somewhere that you could be looking or try and get that that wide receiver but it's not you know not the bad, not the ideal situation uh, maybe maybe just one defensive lineman and then pick a wide receiver maybe that that would be my only adjustment there to that uh, certainly that mock draft but let's uh, let's Let's take a look at the PFF Mock Draft Simulator. Uh, we can go through that real quick. Aiden Hutchinson, it's all basically the same names up at the top. Sauce Gardner going seven. They don't have the quarterback getting taken early on here. Malik Willis is the first quarterback off the board at 11. Devin Lloyd gets 14. Jordan Davis, 13. So now the Eagles are left here at 15. we got Trent McDuffie, Drake London, Devontae Wyatt, N'Kobe Dean, Chris Olav. Ojabo obviously is going to drop. I probably would pick Jermaine Johnson again because it just seems like he could be a huge difference maker down the road. I like Nakobe Dean as well, but I would probably take Chris Olav here. Just so give me Chris Olav because I want a wide receiver, like I told you. And here we go with our last pick. Uh, it could be anyone on earth. I like Tyler Linderbaum. I really do. Jamison Williams is a nice option, but I already picked that wide receiver. The tackle, Bernard Raymond, is a nice pick. He seems like he's dropped in this one. Nicobe Dean, I'm probably going to lean Nicobe Dean here because I just I want a linebacker. I want someone that we can build our defense around. They're grading my draft right now. Stay in your seat. I'm not moving. You know, I'm not moving, PFF. Let's see what they say. It only did the first round, so... B, B minus on the Chris Olav pick, keep hating, and A minus on my Nicobe Dean pick. So overall, I got a B draft grade here for that first round. I'm not going to go through the whole draft. I'm not going to waste all your time. So that's that. We got we got through Phils. We got through Eagles. We got through Sixers. Uh, the NCAA tournament was this past weekend, or it's been raging on. St. Peter's magical run comes to an end in Philadelphia against North Carolina. It was amazing that they even beat Purdue. They had no business beating Purdue, but they played a great game against them, and it just seemed like they ran out of gas against North Carolina. Villanova loses Justin Moore, which is a huge, huge loss. I just don't know if they're going to be able to overcome that against Kansas. Duke, obviously, Coach K's last season, that's you know a huge uh, storyline narrative. That's The media is going to eat it up all week long. I don't know if they're going to be able to beat North Carolina. They obviously could. They've played a lot better here in this tournament than they did for large portions of the of the regular season. And especially like the they made it the conference championship, but that conference championship game they did not play well in. And they've played uh, like lockdown defense. Bancheros look like the best player on, on the planet, you know, in regards to college. So, and who who else am I missing? I'm missing. Well, North Carolina has played out of their minds since this tournament has started. It's just. They're shooting the ball well. They're, the well, the defense they played on St. Peter's was basically assault. It, it, it was a great, incredible performance. They, they've just 
outperformed every. I mean, they were smoking Baylor until Baylor came back in that game. It, it, they have just looked. They've probably been the most impressive team, and even though they are a eight seed on on the on the surface, that they they don't play like an eight seed. You know, they beat UCLA. That was a great great game. UCLA was one of my Final Four teams. I just had a lot of faith in them, but they smoked Marquette. wasn't even close. They absolutely just destroyed uh Baylor for the most part and then Baylor came back obviously and then you know they beat they in a tough game against UCLA and they smoked St. Peter's so uh, I'm looking forward to this weekend it's going to be another great game if I'm here to give you some picks because that's what I do I'm just a pick guy I give picks out I'll go Kansas I don't know if they cover or not. I, I I just like Kansas to win that game just, just based off the injury, and I think they're just going to be up against it. But I, I can imagine Villanova keeping it close, so I don't know if it's anything above four or five. I, I don't like that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get me some uh, odds this, this weekend for these, uh, for these games. So I'm seeing Kansas minus four and Duke minus four and a half. Uh, and it, according to FanDuel, it's still the same. Villanova is a plus four and a half. And so it mo- it's moved a little bit either way. Duke is minus four here on FanDuel. So, yeah, you know, if the Kansas, say, were to go up to minus six, seven, something like that, if they just really got steamed like that, which I doubt it happens, then, yeah, I would probably bet Villanova because I think Villanova keeps it relatively close. But four and a half isn't close enough where I'm going to shy away from that. Give me Kansas. And I like I like UNC at plus four. They just they've they've been playing well and they've been they've been playing out of their minds. I, I don't see why they couldn't win the game a game that they just went into Cameron Indoor Stadium and won a game that was supposed to be uh, not a cakewalk, but it was supposed to be the knighting or the coronation of Coach K's Duke career, and they they got taken out. You know, so it's going to be another emotional game. It's not like oh, it was, the emotions were on like I'm sure they will be or they sure they were, but this is a big game as well. You're going to be playing in front of the largest crowd you've played in front of all season long. So give me give me UNC plus four and a half and give it to me reluctantly, but and I'll be rooting for Duke because that's just how I do. I, I, I don't not have never been a big UNC guy. If you make me pick in the rivalry, I always have picked Duke. Don't have a good reason for that. I didn't like Roy Williams, I think that's what it is, and I can't let let that go. But I digress. That'll be the NCAA tournament, the men's tournament, the women's tournament. I'm also following as well. Big UConn guy, big Paige Beckers guy, rooting for them. Paige Beckers was awesome last night. It was a, it was a couple great games to watch. Louisville took care of business. I think it's uh, Stanford, UNC, Louisville, and uh, South Carolina. South Carolina, right? UNC. Or, geez, UConn, Stanford, Louisville, South Carolina. Those are the three teams in the women's bracket. As the odds go, South Carolina is plus 110. They're the odds on favorite. UConn second, Stanford. Then Louisville plus 800. I'm all in. I told you, I'm all in. Paige Beckers, I had a future in uh, before the tournament started about UConn plus 700. It went down a little bit now. Plus two, 220. It, it, you know, it, we're getting closer and closer. Two games away from me cashing my bet out. So I'll, that's where my heart is. That's where I'm rooting right now. Go UConn, go Huskies. Go Paige Beckers. Uh, that'll probably wrap it up, though. I, Sixers have a huge game tonight, and I kind of recorded this in two segments. I don't want to lie to you people. I recorded half of it yesterday and half of it today, which is uh, Tuesday the 29th. Sixers have a big game tonight against the Milwaukee Bucks. Looking forward to it, obviously. Uh, we just need more from James Harden. I'll continue to say it. You can go back and listen. You already listened to the beginning of this podcast. You know where I stand. Not much has changed from yesterday to today, so... Good luck with the Sixers. I'll probably be back 
relatively soon, uh, maybe even tomorrow, the next day, to talk about the game. I'm going to try and start pumping these out. They don't have to be as long. I just kind of want to talk about game, you know, game to game, don't, you know, just stuff like that, you know. I'm just a guy hanging out, doing the podcast, Matt McSweeney, Hot Take Hotbox. I love doing it, as always. Uh, feel free to message me. Any comments, concerns, questions, tell me I suck. I love it. Uh, any any feedback I get, I love seeing people out and they tell me, hey, man, I love the podcast. It makes me feel good. So, uh, you know, and, and even if you want to tell me, hey, I don't agree with anything you say, but I, I, I still listen to it just to, just to hear anything, man. Really, any feedback is, is good feedback. Even, like I said, if you tell me I suck and I hate your podcast and, bro, get a life, I, that's cool too. I, I, I definitely appreciate that uh, that thought process. So, Thank you for joining me. As always, Hot Take Hotbox, Matt McSweeney, thank you.